Hey, men, how are you guys doing today? Good to have you here. Yeah. Also, welcome Church Online, wherever you are joining us from around the world. I got a question. Who came to hear God speak to them this weekend? Like God, not Corey. God, amen. All right, good, good. Because he's got something to say. Uh, okay, so we're going to pick up in our series. We are in a series that we are uh, talking about called The Million Dollar Question. And we're talking about finances, we're talking about stewardship, and we came up with this, and the million-dollar question is simply this. If God doesn't need my money, why does he talk about it so much? Uh, the money, uh, I, I have found that most adults don't want anybody to tell them to do in three areas, uh, sex, parenting, and their money. And so I came here to tell you what to do with your money. Uh, actually, no, you said you came here to hear God speak to your heart. And that's what we're about to do. And so the million dollar question is, if God doesn't need my money, why does he talk about it so much? And we said last week, because it's actually not at all about money. If you didn't, every week builds on itself. If you missed last week, we said, God knows that if he wants to get to our heart, the best way to do that is through our wallet, right? That if he has our wallet, he has our heart. It's all about the heart. And so he talks about money because he knew that if we started talking about money, we would start to perk up. And so um, remember, everything that is in the scripture, everything in the Bible is God as a loving heavenly father is trying to teach his kids how the best way to live. Our, our mission statement here at Cape Christian is we wanna introduce people to Jesus and help them discover who he created you to be, to, to be who he made you to be. I'll tell you this from the beginning. You have two options when it comes to living your life. You can either live your way or you can live God's way. And here's what you can expect in both of those scenarios. If you live your way, then the best, you're, the best you can do is all you'll ever get. But if you live God's way, the best he can do is what you have access to. And we call that blessing. And God wants you to live a blessed life, not just in your finances, but in every area. But so many of us are actually missing out on the blessings of God because we have taken things into our own hands and we're, we're doing it our way. We're running it our way, including our finances. And God literally can't bless you because you have to, as we said last week, not be tight-fisted, but open-handed. And so it's all about the heart. Now, let me ask you a question. Anybody here like us, our family, ever borrowed like uh, something valuable from somebody, like a car, or maybe somebody's given you a vacation home to use for a while? Like uh, uh, not, not an Airbnb, like, you know, somebody, hey, use the house, right? Did you have the same experience we did where like you loved it and then it dawned on you about 36 hours before you left? They know you're the ones that stayed there. You know them. And so instead of enjoy the beach or whatever, all you did is clean, spotless everything. Like, you, like it wasn't even fun. Like, ah, oh, why? Because it wasn't yours and they knew you stayed there. Well, there's a really simple word for this that we use in our culture. And the Bible talks about it literally from the beginning to the end. And that word is stewardship. Uh, and that's really what happens when you use somebody else's house, you are just a steward of it um, because somebody else owns it. So we're gonna talk about this word steward. Uh, Jesus talks about it a lot. In Matthew 25, he tells a story that I'm gonna quickly summarize. He tells a story of a master who owns a lot of property. And it says, the master went on a long journey and he pulled his three servants together and he entrusted them to everything he had. But it says, uh, it says depending on which version, he says, one one, one servant, he gave five bags of silver. One servant, he gave two bags of silver. And one, he gave one. Or you may you see the word talent in the Bible. That word talent, just so you know, for a frame of reference, I used to feel bad for the guy who only got one talent until I learned a talent is an entire lifetime's worth of wages. Well, so that doesn't really suck for anybody. 
So he gives five, two, and one, and basically he says, I'm gonna come back and I want you to, to take care of my stuff well and, and you're gonna give an account for what you did with mine. So he comes back after a long journey and it says, and, the, and the one, he goes to the one with five bags and he says, master, I worked hard, I invested it, I worked it, and I earned five more, uh, I have 10. He's, and, and the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. He goes to the one who had two and he said, hey, I, I want you to know I, I invested, I, I worked it, I, I, I worked hard and I, I earned two more, so now I have four. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he goes to the one who had one and he said, you know, master, I know you kind of like to, to reap crops where you didn't sow and, and you kind of like to get the advantage of stuff. And so I didn't lose your money. I just dug a hole and I hit it. Here's your bag back. And, and Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, Matthew 25 says, he looked at that servant and he said, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew that was true, why didn't you at least give it to the bank where you could have earned a little interest? And then he commanded them, take the one bag from him and give it to the one with five. And he says this, anybody who uses well what they have, more will be given, more opportunities, more, more, uh, more responsibilities will be given. But those who don't use well what they have, the little they have will be taken from them. And he tells that whole story in reference to what the kingdom is like, living according to God's way, because he starts the story and he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And so Jesus is laying out this idea and he wants us to understand that he has everything and he has entrusted us with certain things. And how we steward what he's given us really dictates what he's able to trust us with. If you had a child or a coworker that just continued to be a liability, some of you do, don't look around, um, and just like completely tank everything you had, you would stop giving them things to cars to ruin, money to lose, right? You would stop doing that because you're not an idiot. And if you do, we just won't finish that sentence. Um, <laughs> but we're, Jesus is talking about stewardship. And so what we learn is a really simple idea. And I want to give a couple thoughts about stewardship, but I really want to drill down on one thing that God put in place throughout the word that really helps us make sure that we're good stewards. And so a steward is just very simply um, the management of someone else's things. Somebody say steward. So there's two things you have to understand about a steward. And, and this is true for us in everything that we have from our lives, everything we have in our lives that we are called to steward. And so Jesus tells this story in reference to how we live our lives. And he's reminding his audience, I'm the owner, you're the steward. And so those two points are the things that we gain from this. Is number one, the first observation is I am not the owner. Somebody say owner. I am not the owner. Well, if I'm not the owner, who is? Pastor, show me. Well, let's see what the scripture says. I'm gonna show you a little bit more scripture maybe than usual because the last thing you need to hear is from a pastor or a church, but you need to hear from the word of God. And so, and there's, there's, some, there's some narratives out there. Well, it's kind of unclear. Mm, no, it's not. So Psalm 24 says this. If we're not the owner, who is? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Yeah, that's like super unclear. <laughs> the world and all its people belong to him. Who's the owner? Of what? Everything. All of it. The world? Yeah. It's people? Yeah. Do you want him to be more specific? Let's go to Psalm 50. Psalm 50 says, for all the animals of the forest are mine. This is God speaking. I own the cattle on a thousand hill. Okay. I know every bird in the mountains. Impressive. And all the animals of the field are mine. 11. Verse 12. If I were hungry, he says, I love this. I wouldn't even tell you because the whole world is mine and everything in it. The Bible, throughout the Bible is super clear. God, God, it's like he knew 
we would struggle with holding on to things and thinking they're ours that they aren't. Anybody have any teenagers? It's amazing how you have these little people in your house and they're so grateful for everything you do. And then they get like a driver's license or a brain or something. They're like, all of a sudden it's now theirs. It's mine. And you just have to remind them like, young lady, you didn't pay for any of this. This is my house. Hey, I'm having a bunch of friends over. Where? Here. Not here. This is my house. I'm taking the car. Where? Not my car. Oh, we're preaching now, right? That's teenagers. Teenage problems. The whole world is God's. It all belongs to him. And he's saying, it's all mine. He's saying, God, if God were here, he's saying, your dog is my dog. If he were here, he'd probably tell you, your cat belongs to Satan, however. I mean, he probably, he probably, <laughs> that's, that's the fall. But um. why does this matter? Because God knew we can't help ourselves. We had a great illustration about being tight-fisted and when we get tight-fisted, we miss out. We can't help but grab stuff. And, and, and God is trying to remind us like, hey, it's all mine. So why does that matter? Because if it's all his, anytime he asks for something back, it should be no big deal to give it back, right? <laughs> Only one amen. This is getting so good. <laughs> now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's great, pastor, but that's the Old Testament. Well, let's just see if the New Testament has anything to say about it. The new law, we're not under the law. Well, Paul said the same thing. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I'm starting to see a pattern. It all belongs to God, my kids, my money, my house, my degree, my education, my time, my treasure, my talent, my opportunities, my leadership, my, it all belongs to God. And some of you have wrestled with this because you're like, oh, God wants it back. I'm like, if you would just understand how liberating it is to not carry the weight and pressure of owning it, managing is a way better deal. It's a way better deal because that's a pressure you can't even handle. It's why some of you are crushed. Paul, David, Genesis, Revelation, everything in between, it's all God's. Any ladies have a diamond ring on? Like right now, you got a diamond? Diamonds are nice, you know, girl's best friend, right? That diamond on your finger came from God's coal. The car that you drove in came from metals and plastics from the earth that God made. The clothes that you wore, and we are so glad you did, those clothes came from God's animals and God's plants. The food you eat comes from God's animals and God's plants. The house you live in, those bricks, that wood, all the things, the windows, that came from God's earth. All that you have, everything you possess, everything that you have, God is loaning out his stuff. And by the way, he says, I want you to have it. And in fact, I want you to enjoy it. He loves it when we enjoy his stuff. He wants you to enjoy it. He just doesn't want you to think it's yours. Because see, God also has teenage problems with some of his spiritual teenagers. It's like, man, I want to keep giving my kids stuff, but they keep thinking like, mine, mine. And he's like, and then they take it away. And he's like, you hate me. He's like, no. Could you imagine with everything I just said, thinking anything belongs to us? Again, even ready for this, the paper that your money is printed on, that came from God's trees. And so God is saying, I am the owner. And that's good news because we actually are terrible owners. But what we can do well is be managers or stewards. So if I'm not an owner, that leads us to number two. I am a steward. Somebody say, I'm a steward. Didn't that just feel so good to just confess? Let's do it again. I am a steward. Let's do it one more time where it's way more organized. Okay, I'm going to say it, then you say it. I am a steward. There's that education degree in work right there. This actually goes all the way back, watch this, to the, the garden, the very beginning. God said, I'm gonna speak a world, a planet into existence, no effort, but then I'm gonna put stewards in. And before sin came in, he told Adam and Eve, I want you to work it and take care of it. You steward it. 
and they messed it up. And what, if you think about this, what was the lie? What was the temptation that Satan said? I mean, we all, if you read it, it says, well, did God really say you couldn't eat from the tree? But wasn't really the temptation this? Didn't, didn't the temptation sound like this? Satan going, you know what? God said that um, you can't have that tree, but God, you know what sounds like better than being a steward? You actually are owner. You should go start acting like an owner. And we thought we were owner. And the first ownership decision we made, we ruined it. And every time we act like owners, we mess it up because we are not the CEO of the kingdom. We're stewards and managers. He said, I got this. I don't need your help. But the, 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 the temptation, the, the lie of the devil was, no, 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 don't be a steward. You want to be an owner. You want to be like God. And God's like, I want you to be like me, but you can't handle being me. And so stewardship, so we understand a steward is somebody who manages somebody else's stuff. So then what's the job or the role of a steward? Again, we see this in Matthew 25. It is to protect and expand the resources of the, somebody else. So there is an, you may have never heard this. There is actually an expectation of an ROI on whatever God has given you. If he's given you kids, he wants a return on his investment. If he's given you money, he wants a return on his investment. If he's given you skills, gifts, and talents, he wants you to use them for him to advance his kingdom. Everything you have is for your benefit and enjoyment, but also for the benefit, enjoyment, and the value adding of the people in your world. It's brilliant. There's an expectation. And what's interesting about the steward, the guy who, who buried the, the, the one bag, right? He said, you could have at least given it to the bank. Wouldn't the bank have protected and expanded it? Okay, ready for this? You've probably never thought about it, but I want you to start thinking about it like this. You are actually God's bank. Some of you like theologically don't know how to handle that right now. You're like, whoa, that feels like a lot. Well, we are. It's all his. Think about it. It's simple. It's all his. And he's like, I'm going to let you manage this portion of it. And then when I call on it, I want, it, I want to know what you did with it. You're his bank for time. You're his bank for your skills and abilities. You're his bank for his money. And he's like, hey, will you do, will you, will you manage my, and, and here's, the, here's the hope. I'm gonna be real clear about how to manage your money. Will you manage it my way? And if you do, it's gonna allow me to do a supernatural blessing. So we can either live by natural laws or supernatural laws. Natural laws are us doing it our way. Supernatural laws are trusting a supernatural God to do it his way through faith, even though it doesn't make sense to the natural world. If you tweet things, that was the one worth tweeting. And so how, how do we operate as God's bank? And he said, here, I'm, he put something in scripture. It's in Genesis chapter four, you see it throughout scripture. And he said, I, it's like he knew we couldn't help ourselves to struggle with this. So he put like this regular heart cleansing principle and law in order that we see it was before the law, it was during the law, it was after the law. And it's this idea of first fruits. It's called the principle of the first. And so it's really, if I am a steward, how do I steward well? I'm going to pretend you just ask me that. And in the next 20 minutes, we're going to answer that question. How do I steward this well? It's the principle of the first, because here's what God knows. Two things. If you put God first, everything in your life kind of orders itself from there. He also promised, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this world. So there's two things that are going to happen. You're going to have trouble, but if you put God first, everything's gonna be in order. So the question then is, do you wanna go through trouble and have everything out of order? Or when you go through trouble, do you want to have your affairs in order? And God wants to be first. And if he wants to be first, it means he's first with everything. First in our time, first in our heart. We worship, we, we honor him first with our tithe, first with our money, first with our finance, first with our whatever it is. He wants to be first. The principle runs throughout scripture. And so I wanna just give you a few scriptures and show you. If you remember our backstory last week, 
If you were here, Moses, after the Israelites were delivered out of slavery, spent two different times, 40 days up on the mountain with God. God audibly spoke to him and taught him how to live. And he wrote the five books of the Bible. And so when we read Genesis, Exodus, really Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's God teaching his people how to live. And so I wanna go back to a couple portions of scripture that we see in there, because God, from the beginning, he said, I don't want you to live according to your own way. I don't want you to live in a natural way. I want you to live in a supernatural way. You're to be my children and you're gonna show what I'm like. Here's how you're going to live. And so in Exodus chapter three, he's, or 13, he says this, the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, tell everybody, consecrate. Somebody say consecrate. consecrate. That literally means set aside or mark, like mark this for something. To me, all the firstborn, somebody say firstborn. firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. So here he is instituting this principle of first. It's actually more specific than that. It's actually the principle of the first tenth, and we call it the tithe. Somebody say tithe. Tithe, tithe is a Bible fancy word that literally means tenth or 10%. So God is saying, I want you to, so I know how your hearts are. You get tight-fisted. So I want you to make it a regular, a regular act that anytime I give you more, that you return 10% back to me as saying, I know that you provided this for me and I'm now under the supernatural blessing. Re return it to me because otherwise your heart's gonna get real like owner-wise and that doesn't work. This is gonna remind you that I'm the manager. And, he, and so he says, bring me the firstborn. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 27, he says it this way. He says, one-tenth, somebody say one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord and must be set aside by him as holy. So God from the beginning said, here's how you steward well what I've given you. When it comes to finances specifically, when it comes to things that I've provided for you, I want you to make it a practice that every time there's an increase that you take 10% and you bring it back to me, you return it to me. I'll show you another picture. This is at the law. I'll show you actually thousand years later uh, with the prophet Malachi. This is about 500 years before Jesus. He says it this way. He says, bring, somebody say bring. bring. The whole tithe, 10% into the storehouse. Now what's the storehouse? God also made it clear. Where does the tithe go? The storehouse is the temple. It's the church. It's the kingdom of God. It's not our job to, to, to dictate how they, that what, what happens with it. We just bring it to God. And so that's how they built the temple. It's how they redid the temple. It is still to this day, God's plan to build his kingdom is wherever there's a gathering, if everybody will bring their tithe to the storehouse, there will be plenty for the people who in the community, they'll be building, you know, we'll be building all kinds of like orphanages and doing mission stuff. And we'll be reaching people in the city all over the place. Bring the whole tithe. So he says, bring the whole tithe, 10%. And he said, here's why. That there may be food in my house. God says, I wanna make sure I take care of people. I wanna feed people. And the, and the way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna take your tithe and your tithe and your tithe and your tithe. I'm gonna store it up. And then when anybody's in need, we're just gonna go ahead and be overly generous. And he said, and this is the only place in scripture. And by the way, we're gonna give you a chance to do this in about 20 minutes. This is the only place in scripture where he says, try me. He says, put it to the test. He says, test, these are the words of God, the one who spoke planets into existence. Test me in this, God said, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
So we see this idea. He's saying, if you test me, you watch. I'm going to throw open the floodgates. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of the storehouse, and the storehouse is going to take care of the community. That's the kingdom of God's plan. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of the storehouse, and I'm going to take care, and the storehouse is going to take care of the community because you're a part of the storehouse. And by this, all men will know that I am the God in heaven that loves them, and, and all this, you will be light unto the world. That was God's plan. It, it, it is his plan still to this day. Now, here's something really interesting that I just want to remind you. I did not write this book. I just report on it because I know you love Pastor Corey and I want you to love Pastor Corey at the end of this message. So I'm going to say something that I, so far I can tell is really true, but, but I, I, I just can tell you how the last service looked at me when I told them. There's a really interesting observation because when you talk about tithe, we're actually not talking about giving. We're actually not talking about generosity. Pastor Mac's going to talk about that next week. When you look through scripture, there's only two words that come in front of the tithe. And it's either the word bring or the word return. Never the word give. And God is saying, you, I want you to bring or return the tithe to me. Why would he use those words? Because he's just asking back for what is already his. And why can't we give the tithe? Because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. Trent, if you let me borrow your car, it would not be cool if I was like, hey, who wants a free car? I'm like, it's not mine to give. Well, a truck in this case, right? And it's a nice truck. I can't do that. Why? I can't give something that doesn't belong to me. So God only uses the word. So you guys ready for this? You ready for the word of God? Who came to hear the word of God? So far as I can tell throughout scripture, and I've been reading it my whole life and I've been studying quite a bit. When it comes to the tithe, there's only two options. We either bring it or return it or we steal it. You guys should feel what it's like in here right now. Like it is, there's no oxygen. I feel like everybody wants to kill me. If you're online, like I wish I could articulate the ethos in this room. <sighs> Here's what I didn't tell you. What would give me the audacity? Well, again, a lifetime studying a scripture, but even what I didn't show you was verse nine of this. In the first nine, the verse right before the scripture, he actually says, would a man rob God? And like, no, we wouldn't rob you. And you know what he says? You have stolen from me. You've stolen from me by not returning your tithes and offerings. Malachi 3, 9. And so again, is God, going to, is God going to strike you down for stealing from him? No, he has more than he needs. Can he bless you if you're not returning it to him? Also, no. And so the unfortunate thing is you and your limited ability, the best you can get is the best you can do and you miss out on the best he can do because he literally can't bless you. You have to figure out which covering am I under, my covering or God's covering. My covering is the best I can do. God's covering is the best he can do. And he says, if you would just trust me with the first of your increase, if you would trust me with your tithe, I can, you watch and it's gonna require faith we're going to cover this here in a minute. It's going to require faith. But if you, let, if you do that, now I'm in charge of the other 90% and I can do things with time and money and resources and friendships and relationships and healing that no one else can do. And now you've accessed me to step into your life and do that. And I want to do it, but I can only do it here. And you have to enact the blessing by your faith. Remember, this was written by a loving heavenly father who wants his kids to have the best way to live and be close to him and be like him. And so here's, where, here's why this matters. Because it actually takes faith to believe that 90% blessed is better than 10% or 100% on my own, right? I gotta believe that 10%, I'll tell you this, when I started getting my allowance, tithing was super easy. I was getting about $2 a week, 250 I think it was. 
to set aside a quarter, no problem. When I got my first paycheck when I was 13 and it was like $157, I was like, oh God, this hurts. $15.70, and if I wanna be generous, I'll round up to 16, that's a lot of money in 1993. Then when I got my first career and it was like four figures, I was like, oh. But I'm so glad that I was taught at six, seven, eight years old, God always gets what's first, God always gets what's best. And it, you know what it is for me? It's just a heart cleanser. It's a heart cleanser. It just keeps my heart clean because my heart gets dirty fast. I get mine, mine, me, me real fast. And God's like, let me put something in your life that will help you with that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's a story all the way at the beginning. Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's first two kids. And there's a story where it all went wrong. Cain brought an offering and Abel brought an offering and God accepted one and didn't accept the other. And I wanna show you what happened. And, and again, this is to show you like, well, that's the law. This is before the law. Genesis chapter four, it says, when it was time for harvest, Cain, watch this, because words really matter. They really mattered in the way they were written in Hebrew back then too. It says, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Verse four, Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the first fruits, the firstborn lambs of his flock. Cain brought a little bit of leftovers. Abel brought the first and the best. What happened? The Lord accepted Abel and his gift but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. I can only imagine going like, oh, I could have kept all of it, but I gave some of it to you because yeah, but you didn't give me first and you didn't give me best. And this is what separated God and Cain and the whole deal. And this is what Cain, made Cain so mad he killed Abel is jealousy is because he's, and he tells later on, if you keep reading it, which you should, he, he tells him, he's like, hey, if you would just do the right thing, I'll accept you too. But Cain couldn't find it. Cain's problem was he couldn't let go of what was first and best. It, it wasn't the wrong kind of offering. It wasn't first and best. And so we see with this idea of tithe, not only is tithe 10%, but the third last observation is the tithe must be first. It must be first. Tithe is the first 10%. And here's why this matters. Because tithe isn't just about obedience, but it's about faith. Let me take you to another scripture here in Exodus, a few chapters after where we just read. Um, this is again, God telling Moses to, to teach him how to live. He says, the first, somebody say first, the first of the first fruits of your land shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. And here's why it has to be the first, because this also enacts your faith. See, it doesn't take any faith to have 10 lambs and be like, yeah, the really ugly one that keeps getting in the garden, God, you can have it. What takes faith is when you've been hoping to have a flock and the first lamb comes and you give that one to God with no guarantee that anything's coming afterwards. There's no guarantee that there's more crops coming. There's no guarantee when you're like, but God, I really need this money. We could really, and, and God's saying, no, the guarantee is that your faith is that I'm your provider and I take care of you and I'm the owner and you're the steward and I know what I'm doing and I'm better at it than you are. That's the faith. And so it enacts faith. It requires faith to do what's first. He didn't say, again, wait till you have 10. And here's what matters. It's not the tithe. I talked about living under God's blessing. It's not the tithe that enacts the blessing. It's really not. It's not the 10% that enacts the blessing. It's the faith because it's the faith going, you know what? I really could use this. In fact, I kind of need it, but I'm gonna by faith believe that my 90% blessed by you is way better than my 100% where I'm in control. And so I'm gonna give you this first. And so if you have 10 $100 bills, which one's God? Was well, the first one to leave your hand? Because see, here's what's true. We all tithe somewhere. Some of us tithe to Kroger or Publix. Some of us tithe to our mortgage company. Your first 10% is going out somewhere else. And God says, hey, bring that back to me so that your heart stays clean. And I really want to bless you, but I can't if you keep in control of it. 
So many amens this weekend. So many amens this weekend. So God's saying, bring it back. In fact, Malachi, we just read Malachi two chapters before his kind of intro to the letter. He says, hey, once again, you've shown contempt for me. Watch what he says here in Malachi 1.8. He says, you guys are, you, you, you don't even respect me. You don't honor me. You don't care. He's like, and they're like, well, what? We bring you something. And he goes, yeah. He goes, when you have, he goes, you give me blind animals as sacrifices. Isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord. God says, hey, they're like, well, what? We're giving you animals. He's like, yeah, the ones you don't want and the ones that are no good for anything. He's, they, God literally reprimands. And you know what he says after this? I don't even have time to go on. He says, I wish you would just shut the temple doors and stop trying. He literally says, shut down the church and stop giving me anything. That's the next verse. Because he goes, I don't want your leftovers. I want your first and your best. I don't want your cripple and I don't want your disease. And I don't want the, ah, don't, we didn't want this. We don't need this. Oh yeah, we have so much money. We're so flush with cash. Let's, let's, let's give this. He's like, no, give it to God first. Bring it to the storehouse so that there'll be plenty for who? Plenty for you, plenty for the storehouse and plenty to bless the community. It's God's economy. It's God's kingdom. And here's, and it's not a legalistic principle, but I'll tell you for me to keep my heart clean, I do mine automatically. Oh, you, I got to write, there's no wrong or right way, right cash, automatic bill pay. But I will tell you this. My tithe, bill, my tithe bill pay comes out a day before everything else. Just for my heart. You, not because I'm like, well, it doesn't count. Because I want God to get what's first. And where's my storehouse? What's well, Cape Christian. So every two weeks, my first 10% of my increase comes here before it goes to Truist or Wells Fargo or Publix or Sam's or wherever it is. Disney or Disney passes. <laughs> Why? Because ultimately it's my ability to take care of me versus God's ability to take care of me. And I trust God's ability to take care of me way more. And so many of you are missing it because you aren't willing to take that plunge. And I'll tell you the saddest thing is that in a recent survey of Americans who call themselves Christians, what we said about ourselves, about 4% of people who call themselves Christians are actually tithing, which means 96% of people who come to church every week are missing out on the blessings of God. He's not, he's not, he's not gonna burn you to death, but you're missing out on the blessings of God because you've missed this faith. And I understand there's lots of reasons why, and I know I don't know your story, but what I do know is, is that anybody who's taken this, this, this opportunity, this leap of faith, God has not left them short financially, relationally. He's done so much. And so I don't want you just to hear from me or hear from scripture, but I want to tell you a real story of a real family in our church who God worked on their heart and God has done so much in their lives because they took that leap of faith. This is Mark and Melissa's story. My name is Melissa. And I'm Mark. And we have been attending uh, Cape Christian for about almost six years now, right? That's good for her because she don't even remember our anniversary. I don't, I don't, I don't. We came to Cape, Cape Christian because we were just looking for spiritual home, a place where we felt safe. And when we came to Cape Christian, we just kind of came uh, because someone gave us a card. How and the you? park was really cool. The park was very cool. We knew that we weren't happy um, not having community. We needed community. We just didn't know how it would look or where we would find it. Yeah. We need Jesus. We did. And uh, so we came. You need Jesus, y'all. Yeah. We came on um, a Sunday and um, never stopped. When we, again, first came to Cape Christian, we um, had just gotten to the point where we felt tithing wasn't um, what we thought it should be. 
Um, we had this vision in our head that biblically you were to give a certain amount of money um, that you know would bless the church, that would in turn bless the community. And we had just seen a lot of things that made us feel that the money that we were tithing had not been stewarded well. Everything we did, I felt, was done out of obligation and not, it was more of a, a heart um, situation. It, it was more of an obligation versus giving my time and talent and treasure joyfully. Uh, I don't think it brought us joy. I think it really felt um, like a duty more than um, something that was more of uh, a blessing to others. Like you wanted to hang on to it, like, uh, I can't let that go. Yeah. yeah. It took time. Like we would come every week, we would watch the services, we would see um, the community, we would see just happy, joyful people. And I think it took a while for us to, you know, kind of dip our toe into the water and say, let's start giving of our time. That's how we started. We started to serve. And then we felt like, I felt a shift. I don't know when it happened. It almost seemed like it happened at the same time where we looked at each other and we said, this is our home. Like we feel um, just invested and we feel like a part of a community. I think it was after a message that really wasn't even about tithing. Um, and you felt it on your heart and I felt it on my heart and we just looked at each other and we said, you know, it's time. By being obedient to God, it doesn't matter what, what happens with the money. Yeah. Like, like I'm giving this to God, yeah. not necessarily to people. Yeah. And God will multiply it and use it. I just think that we lost that fear. Like money didn't have that power over us. Like it, it just, instead of being worried or concerned, we just trusted. And every single time it, it was, it was miraculous. Like we never had to worry. What God calls us to do, I never have any regrets about putting that foot forward. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the opposite way around when I don't put that foot forward. Yeah. Oh man, I should. For me, it's that he doesn't want or need my money, he wants my heart, like he wants me um, just to be all in with him, to, to want to spend my time with him, to want to bless others, to live the way that, you know, he created me to live. There's just such freedom when you live the way that God created you to live. Like there is joy and there is happiness that you've never experienced. Because um, I, you always seek and look for things that are going to make you happy and feel good. and. You know, that's why people go shopping and people, you know, have addictions. And uh, for me, there's no greater joy and feeling than when we are helping others, living the way that God created us to live, you know. When and we're being obedient. When we're being obedient, absolutely. I love that she said, money no longer has power in our lives. That's what it feels and looks like when, when you live in the blessings of God. And again, remember the heart of your pastor, the heart of your heavenly father is, I want you to know what it's like for me to truly be first in your life. And, and, and really our, our money is, our, is the ultimate litmus test. It's, it's do you really, really trust God and, and his plan from the whole beginning to take care, care of you, to take care of his church and to take care of his world was if everybody would in faith trust me with their first and their best, you watch me take care of everything. You watch me bless you. And so uh, I close with two thoughts. First of all, um, our church, I said this from the beginning, I think, um, that our exists for two reasons. Number one is to introduce people to Jesus. And then number two, help you to discover and become who he made you to be. And I realized that this whole conversation 
while it's been centered around money, for you it might be God's never been first in anything in my life. And so as we pray, as we close, I would love to just include you in a prayer. If you reach out just with your heart to say, man, God, I need to make you first. I'm living my own way and I keep getting the same results and they're not good. I want your blessings. I want your outcomes. And, and he will make you brand new. And in a minute, I'm just gonna close with a prayer. And if that's you, just two things, just in your heart, just say, God, I'm putting you first. You come in. Um, the second thing is we would love to walk this journey with you and help you. And so if that's where you're at, we would love for you to on your way out or before you leave, grab that phone again and text the word Cape Yes to 94,000. And we are just gonna assist, like welcome you and walk you through this journey. We're not gonna bombard you. But some of you, it's not even about money. Money's so over there. It's just, I need to make God first. Almost every weekend, probably every weekend, people make the decision, I'm gonna make God first in my life. And we would love to include you in that and help you to experience all that God has for you. For others of us who are like, yeah, you know, I've said God first, but, but pastor, man, you're, uh, I'm angry, but you're telling the truth. Um, you're, you're talking to me. Um, we wanted to take God at his word. He says in Malachi 3, he says, test me, try it. See if I won't bless you. See if I won't take care of you. See if I won't move and work in your life in other areas and in this area, unlike anything else. And so what we've created is what we call the tithe challenge. Um, there will be um, these on the way out. There will be ushers that have them. They're also a digital code. And it's literally, this is the tithe challenge. We want you to test God. We don't, we don't want um, you to just take our word for it. We want you to search scripture. We want you to pray. We want this to be between, be between you and the Lord. And so here's what it is. We're gonna encourage or challenge you for the next three months, the next 90 days, to begin to tithe to the storehouse. If this is your church, it's here. If you're visiting and you're from somewhere else, do not give us your money. We don't want it. Take it to your storehouse. If you're looking for a church, we'd love to be it when we'd love for you to be here. But, 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 but do what God has said. And 90 days, we're gonna encourage you to do this. And we encourage you over those 90 days to pray, to seek God in this, but also watch God. Watch for him to move, to bless you, to take care of your, your relationships, your finances. And we believe God is a God of his word. And so we believe he's gonna take care of you. And at the end of the 90 days, you decide, are we gonna keep doing this or not? And if God, and here's our promise to you. If you take God up, if you take God up and you do this, we're gonna do this for 90 days. And you, at the end of 90 days, you're like, God's not real. You're full of crap and you just want my money. You can request it back and we will give you all of your money back. We're that confident that God, we're, we're, that, we're that not interested in your money and we're that interested in you becoming who God made you to be. And so, we, but we, we do need you to fill this out because you can't just start, start asking for money back. We need to know who you are. <laughs> like, you didn't preach a very good message. I don't like those songs. Give me my money back. Again, Mark and Melissa said it great. It's not about what they do with it. It's about it's God's and I'm trusting him with it. And so we want some of you, you need to do this. You owe it to your faith. God wants to enact your faith. He wants to bless you. He wants to, uh, also the other thing is does, it creates an intimacy that some of you are, are desiring. Some of you are missing and, and, and it's what you're wanting. And so we wanna encourage you to take that tithe challenge 90 days from now, you fill this out, we'll track it. And if you, and if you are like, man, this whole thing is no good, we'll give it back. We're that confident that God is gonna move in your life. Uh, and again, we've, uh, some of us have been a part of churches that um, have done this multiple times. And for us, the outcome is to see how much closer you get to God and to see him move in your life like never before. And we're that confident because God's really good at his job. Really good at his job. He's a really loving heavenly father. So I'm excited for those of you who are ready to, to make that challenge. And so I'm gonna pray. And if you're ready to take the tithe challenge, just make that prayer in your heart. Uh, and if you're wanting to make Jesus first, make that prayer in your heart. As always, after service, if you have stuff going on in your life and you need just somebody to listen or pray with you, we have a prayer team right there, a ministry team in our prayer room. Also, there's a prayer team online that would love to pray with you as well. I just wanna say a brief prayer. Thank God for his love, his goodness, and uh, ask that he would work in our hearts. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. God, we 
We know this is a difficult subject to wrestle, but God, I thank you that you remind us that you've not carried, you've not asked us to carry the weight of owner, but I pray that we would walk out of here knowing, being deeply rooted in our hearts that we are not owners, that we are stewards. And the way that we can steward well, the way that we can bank well what you've given us is that we make sure that you stay first in everything that we have, all of our increase that you come, you get what's first, you get what's best. And God, I pray for every single person who's thinking even about making you, testing you, taking you at your word. I come against fear in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that you would begin and, and, and continue the work that you've already been doing in their life, that you would provide for them financially, that you would work in so many other areas, that there'd be so many stories that said, man, the minute I let go, I, I opened my fists and I trusted God. Man, he started working in my life and I found a relationship and a favor and a trust I've never found. And God, for anybody watching this or hearing this that has never made you the Lord of their life, I just pray right now in their heart that they're saying, Jesus, I want you to be first. I want to live under your blessing. I wanna live your way. I want the supernatural way of living according to your kingdom. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to clean yourself up. You just need to come to Jesus. So God, I pray that that real heart transformation is happening right now in person and behind screens. And God, I thank you that you have made us new, that you didn't ask us to clean it up. You didn't ask us to figure it out. You just said, come to me and I will help you with this. And so God, we pray for that as well. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. And we thank you that you only want what's best for us. And yet you always wanna speak the truth to us. And so help us to make you famous, make you proud, not just by what we do, but by how we go about it in Jesus' name, amen.